0: This is CliffCentral.com. Richard, are we on track with the financial pack for my presentation to the board next week? Well, hopefully. The team's very short-staffed, and it's taking such a long time to find a suitable financial manager for the division. We're way behind on all our forecasts and reporting. Why don't you speak to the finance team? They're a consultancy that can help you with an experienced interim financial manager. You can have somebody to help you almost immediately. They'll hit the ground running with no long-term contracts and no upfront placement fees. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Leandie Stretter, business coach and guide from Raise Corp.
1: Thank you, Richard. Nice to be back.
0: In this first half hour, our business skills conversation is brought to you in association with USB-Ed. Last week, we talked about the real challenging space of identity theft a really great podcast worth the download. Uh, we also, as part two of that show, had a conversation about personal information and the whole issue of the data leak that's uh, been been on the cards. So, yeah, great podcast. If you have an opportunity, go to our website, www.thefinanceteam.co.za or com to download those podcasts. Today's theme, we're to our monthly feature on ethics, the question of ethical decisions and dilemmas. Remember our hashtag, hashtag keep ethics Alive, all one word. Great hashtag, see if we can get that to trend a little given all the issues in our country at the moment. Joining us in studio as always is our guest, Cynthia Skuman of Ethics Monitor. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. Thanks for being back with us. Now, Cynthia, before we get into this whole question of ethical decisions and dilemmas, there was a piece of uh, let 's call it data or information that was released recently, and i thought I, I looked at the at the survey that was completed. It was the ethics survey around the independence of auditors and particularly internal auditors it 's the fifth annual 2017 Corporate Governance Index that is compiled by the Institute of Internal Auditors of South Africa, which has been released. And basically, they, um, they ref, it reflects the views of 281 chief audit executives on um, the state of corporate governance in South Africa. Now, what I found Absolutely mind-blowing in this this scenario was a statement that only 53% of chief audit executives in both public and private sectors say that ethics forms an integral part of their organizational culture. So there we have it. There's the numbers. We've been talking about the importance of ethics. There you have it. There's Um, the statistical (laughs) number that, that we can work with.
2: Yeah. And and the catch is that of course if you separate out just the public sector mm-hmm. that that percentage is in fact below 50%.
0: Well, that's down at 44% yes. if I remember. And the interesting thing was I looked at what the numbers were last year and those numbers were up at 75% last year. Yes. So what that's saying is that the question mm. Ethics are an integral part of your organisational culture in the government sector has dropped from 75% to 44%.
1: That is extraordinary. Wow. Yes.
0: And that's one year.
2: Yes. But, but I think what, what, I think there are a couple of really important messages in that. Mm. And, and one is, I mean, clearly the question is why this change? And we can say, well, for goodness sake, look at all the scandals going on. What do you expect? But, but we're often not looking at what in fact is the impact of those scandals. And I think this survey of the IAA illustrates that very nicely. That if we think the, current ethical scandals and the dramas that are unfolding every other day, if we think it's not having an impact, we're frankly being naive, and this for me demonstrates it extraordinarily well. Mm. What I also find incredibly, incredibly troubling about this is there's no evidence in this survey that despite this huge fall-off in ethics, there's no evidence that any action's being taken.
1: Well,
0: what what troubled me the most was then the second part of, of the data that was released where they said where 46% of audit, audit executives agreed that they have no interference with their work, okay, compared with 82% in the previous year, yeah. and that's at local municipalities, okay? And then if you look at provincial government level, it's down from 80% to 56%. Mm. In district municipalities, this is down from 80% to 57%. And in metros, it's slightly better. It goes down from 83 to 60%. Yeah. So what that's telling me in that local municipal, or in the municipality scenario, what we're seeing is we're seeing interference with the independence of the audit function at an internal audit level. Yes, yes. And, and I'm going, oh my. Goodness! That, that those are the guys that are running the basic services of this country. Right. Yes, yes, and, yes, and and this thing's just. Literally just gone off a cliff.
2: Well, well, when one looks at the fact that that internal auditor should be playing an extraordinarily important role in looking at the practices in, if you want, preserving and protecting governance broadly in the organization, and if they are, as this reveals they are, if their their roles and their, and their duties are being interfered with, in other words, if they're not acting impartially and independently – Please, can we recognise they're not going to be able to be effective? Uh, Can we then recognise that the casualty is big surprise? Ethics and governance.
0: Yeah, and and I think yeah, you know, I I look at this, and I mean, you know, we we talk about the ethical decisions and dilemmas. I'm looking at this and going, those results in and of themselves create an ethical. Dilemma for us right now Yes, You know I I look at this and I go Okay So we voted these people in in the local government Elections we've just had local government elections We've just put people in play And I'm going wow this is This is concerning that we've got You know and and what uh, Unfortunately what I would like to see And I would I doubt they'll give us this data But it would be a very interesting one Is to compare The impact of Councils that are run under different political parties.
2: Ah, yes.
0: <laughs> and how those interp- those internal auditors were to feel. So don't change, don't ask them again. Just yes. take the results, slice it by, you know, majority party running the council. Yes. And then let's see: is this a DA-led council? Is this a uh, um, you know coalition-led council? Is this a ANC-run council? And let's see where the chips fall.
2: But, but Richard, what what I
0: think I might done, be surprised, but I, I would <laughs> no, hope not, not.
2: Not not so sure. You know what I think does illustrate that, granted through a different lens, is when we look at what the Auditor General has has released in terms of twenty sixteen seventeen irregular expenditure. Mm. I mean, there is a very big difference among the different provinces. Mm. You know, and down there in the Western Cape, you know, their number ends with an M and uh, there are a couple of them that end with a B. <laughs> yeah. So, so the differences really are uh, very significant if one looks at it through that lens.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, so, I mean, let's, let's talk about this whole issue of eth- ethical decisions and dilemmas. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, and, and you've made the comment before on the show, you know, the right versus wrong decisions. You know, knowing knowing what's right or wrong, and you've always made the comment, and you, you often use the analogy of, you know, everybody, it's wrong to take the cell phone off the desk. Yes, it's stealing. You don't have to tell somebody that they are this is an ethical problem. They know theft is indeed is is wrong. So you don't have to educate them. So, what is the ethical dilemma then, in terms of right and wrong?
2: I, I think one of them in fact speaks to, to the results of the IRA survey that you introduced this with. Mm. And and again, I mean let's stress that with the, the massive misconduct surfacing, mm. you know, in every corner, one of the the unfortunate results of that is almost what I would call lowest common denominator behavior. That people who might otherwise be be quite ethical have finally been sort of Pummeled with with all this news, and and get to a stage where they're saying, "Why am I the one who's being the goody here? Why, why am I the the one who's not maximising in inverted commas every every opportunity?" And so I think we see that slide, especially when the misconduct is so high profile and and mm. happening
1: so widely. So that comes up for me as um, in terms of the erosion of the role. And, um, then also not being the, the leadership side of things, um, really having deteriorated in terms of example and really holding people accountable on a very practical level. So it's almost like you're defaulting back to, you know, a parental role when your parents held you accountable to what is right yes. and what is wrong. And it's so interesting to see how this aspect also plays out in our professional environment. Um, you know, it is, if that person gets challenged for being a leader that is renowned and it, it's the only person in the pack, you know, after a while, the the deviant behavior does erode aspects yeah. of you know the leadership, you know the, the the ability to be an ethical leader as well in a municipal uh, environment. And then for me, what's interesting is how does that then cascade into the private sector? Because there's a lot of business that does business with public and private yeah. sectors. So yeah. how does that affect that what, ecosystem?
0: What what I found really interesting and Okay, so two two comments. We've had Bungani Boloi, who was – joined us, the mayor of of Midval. Yes. And talked about their audit results when the audit results came out. And I heard there a, a mayor who really felt accountable for what was going on on the ground. He wasn't actually worried, interestingly. I don't think he was worried about his audit results. Mm. He was worried about the service delivery he was giving to the people
2: oh, and fantastic. what he was
0: doing. The audit results were a consequence. Yes. Okay. So that's my, my, my first mm. comment to you is that it's not about the audit results. It's about doing the right things right. Okay. And he was focusing on ensuring effective service delivery, delivering on the election promises that were made, making sure that it worked mm. effectively. The other thing he was interestingly very clear on is that he had inherited a good start from his predecessor, also in the uh, previous DA, you know, DA Mayor. And he then made it very clear that his team, rather than he, was responsible for what had, uh, what yes. had, uh, had come out. Yes. And I think there, there's a few almost subtle messages in there of inclusivity around the ethical mm. behavioral sense yes. and also the, the need to almost drive the right conversations for the right reasons and the consequences of right. a well-managed, well-run, ethical, upstanding organization just flow automatically from it. It was yeah. very clear. He, yes. he illustrated that beautifully for yeah, us. Yeah, he certainly did. That's also a good podcast if listeners have time to uh, listen. Download the podcast on uh, the mayor, interview with the mayor of, of Medval on our, on our websites. Brilliant interview with him. The other comment I wanted to make is It's interesting the ethical dilemmas that are surfacing around like irregular expenditure in, in, in municipalities and other government spaces. Because I often listen to the scenarios that get, get explained, you know, so I know there's this now this big debate about uh, Tom Miani and the SARS bonuses and whether it was irregular yes. <laughs> and you know, what's the auditor general got to do and is he going to say and did the guy get the approval he needed from the minister of finance who at the time was Proven or not and backwards and forwards. And I sat there and I thought to myself, it's really interesting. And I mean, that's maybe a good, good one to evaluate in this right decisions, wrong decisions kind of and, and the ethical space because he, pushed against the decision or against the the structure that said you have to get the Minister of Finance to approve the executive bonuses at SARS. Yes. And his statement was one of saying, um, oh, you know, why do I need to get this approved? Okay. Where's it stated that I have to get this approved? Meanwhile, Praven had to ask Trevor Emanuel, when he was uh, – when yes. Proven was um, SARS commissioner, he had to request. And everybody has been doing that. Uh, that is the way it is done. So whether it's in the rule book or not, that is the accepted way mm. it's done. Then there's this – let's call it – I guess it's common law. You could call it common law, common practice. I don't know if you want to call it law, but common practice that you don't decide your own bonus.
2: Uh, I would say that that's quite an important one, yes.
0: So (laughs) so, Conflict
2: of interest means large
0: there. Yes, exactly. So here you have the executive team. It makes common sense that that would be signed off by an external party like the Minister of Finance. Of course. Okay. And I sit there looking and going, I don't get what your engagement is about, that you want to try and convince the rest of us all of the general public at large, and the Auditor General, that it was okay or should be okay. Forget whether it was or wasn't. Let's not pass judgment on what has happened or what he did or didn't do. Let's just look at the same set of facts for the current year. If it was to happen again, now we're looking prospectively into the future. Should you or should you not sign off this uh, a bonus payment? My answer is unequivocally no
2: absolutely. I mean conflict of interest is is recognized throughout all organizations and and clearly that that would be the issue that would spring to mind but but looking at it differently and looking at just under the criteria for for ethical decision making if we're looking at what criteria would determine that you're making an ethical decision in general is if you are making the decision in terms of the law rules regulations hmm. and or if you are making that in terms of values or, mm. or the principles, be they the principles in the constitution or the values of the organization, if the decision was being guided by those factors, in <coughs> general, you can assume this is an ethical decision. Mm. However, here's the obvious, that where the decision is being made in any level of self-interest, of self-gain, of self-enrichment, can we be clear the chances are? that we 're not looking at an ethical decision
0: yeah and
2: and, and I think that that 's one of the the key factors what, are the, what is the framework in terms of which that decision is being mm. made and I think that so many of our scandals are absolutely entirely being made around the self enrichment of the individual and and his her uh, personal network
0: yeah and the, and the thing that worries me most about all of these decisions is you think to yourself. Okay um, you know do you know and understand the framework that you're making the decision against that is uh,
1: exactly what i was thinking now is what is the rule book who know, you know who who decides what you know what we being measured by and and ignorance as well we've spoken about this before is some people, you know, they find themselves in a position where they may not have had exposure or the proper dialogue or training when it comes to ethics and values and what is important and what is central to the governance aspect of that particular I, organization. I, I can't help but
2: interrupt both of you to say mm. I, I will make a very small concession for ignorance of the law or ignorance of what is ethical. Mm. But I think the far bigger problem we're grappling with in so many cases is, of course, people know what's right. They just don't care. Right. And, and so they're making a decision for, for their benefit or the benefit of, of their supporters irrespective of what rules or regulations or values would dictate. And, and I think we, we need to be quite blunt about that. This is not a mistake.
1: (laughs) So Mm. Cynthia, I have a, I have a question with regards to that. Something that's been on my heart is this, this, this thing where do we look to leadership from a political perspective to be the sort of lighthouse of what it means to be responsible, ethical, um, you know, respecting governance and do what's right for all? Or do we as the public, the private sector, what responsibility do we have and what responsibility do we take for ourselves To be the lighthouse, be the difference, make a difference and not necessarily go and well, you know, nobody's going to see me, nobody, everybody else is doing it. Well, this is sort of the status quo at the moment. So what can I move forward with? Because sometimes people don't actually realize the consequences of what they're busy dealing with. So it's like, do we look outside or do we actually take a responsibility and accountability for ourselves? It's a great, it's a great point. And, and ideally, we
2: would want an empowered, well-informed citizenry <laughs> who, who have an understanding of the choices they have. And let's be very clear, that choice, good, bad, right, wrong, mm. most people really do have that choice. I think there are some exceptions where they don't, but in the majority of cases, if not the vast majority, Ordinary citizens can make that choice. Do I bribe the the traffic officer? Whatever the case may be, actually they do have a choice. But uh, for that, um, have we have we really developed a responsible citizen who is empowered mm. and and who? takes on that responsibility and accountability for their actions because when we come back to leaders I, I love your term lighthouse and and they should be showing the way but the way they're showing is going quite the wrong way and mm. and so the default position gets to not applying my mind to my action, which brings with it my responsibility and my accountability much easier to say, oh for goodness sake. Everyone else is doing it, and in some cases, that's uh, you know partly true. <laughs> hmm.
0: So, I guess for me, the 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 one question is, you know, in the in that ethical dilemma. Yes, once you've got the in your mind, I guess clear where the where the lighthouse is, yes. <laughs> and what, you yeah. know the rocks are over here. Yes. Don't, don't go here. Um, the, the reality though is that the rest of the sea is quite wide. So we get to this whole question of, so there's the right decision and there's another right decision. Which, or, you know, you've got more than one right decision potentially. Yes. Right. Which should you take? Is there the higher road of the high roads or are all high roads okay? You know, is there an ethical, you know, let's call it, And do you have ethical dilemmas embedded within two potentially right decisions? One is more ethically right. I mean I I always think like, well, I excuse myself from the meeting where the decision is made where I have a conflict of interest, but I don't say why. Oh. okay, I just excuse myself from the meeting so I 'm not party to the conversation yes. for whatever reason, yes, versus I excuse myself and I say why i 'm excusing myself you know yes. yes the the right versus wrong is don't be in the room when the decision is made and influence the decision there's yes. the right and wrong, yes, the right is or the two rights are excuse myself from the meeting and excuse myself and stipulate why i 'm excusing myself yes. Mm, yes. you know there's the High road of the high roads. Yes.
2: But but Richard, what what you raise is in fact uh, the core distinction between ethical decisions typically being a right versus wrong choice and mm-hmm. ethical dilemmas crucially being a right versus right choice. And, and it's an area we often neglect and, and we really shouldn't because the right versus right choices we face by, by definition, because both choices right, by definition will often be the toughest ethical decisions we make. When someone's stolen a gazillion round, this is not a tough decision. But, but when we're looking at some of the classic sources of ethical dilemmas, they can be very tough decisions. And, and broadly there, there are five areas that represent, you know, tough ethical decisions. And, and if you look at, I mean, the, the short term versus long term is one of the easy ones that we would understand that we've all lived with. Of course, you've got to act in the short term. And the long term, we'd understand that, but but when we're looking at an important one like honesty versus loyalty, mm-hmm. we we can in fact I, I use um, I use a South African example that illustrates this, that you know if we if we take the the many social activists who were part of our struggle, you know shared the most extraordinary journey, mm-hmm. and and clearly that lends itself to huge levels of loyalty. Fast forward to now, and do I now, if I, well, I'm not a good example, but, but does the activist now tell on his her comrade when they're, so to speak, pinching the petty cash? Because now what we're pitching is loyalty versus honesty. And when you look at it, both of them are very good values. They, they really are. But when you look at it through that lens, you can see this is a very, very tough call. And, and, uh, and we need to, to recognize that those are the really <laughs> tough areas.
0: Mm. I, I always, I mean, as you pose that question, I, I think to myself, but is that even a question? Because <laughs> I, I, implicit in that is one party is crossing the ethical line in terms of, yeah, but I now understand what you mean by yeah. the, you know, ethical dilemma in terms of, well, do I rat out even? I, I, I guess the, 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 the point is, when somebody else breaches an accepted line or loyal, you know, um, line in the sand in terms of things like theft or whatever else, does that suspend your, um, l- let me call it your your commitment on things like, you know, um, honesty, integrity, and all the rest in, in terms of re- other relationships because you've got this pre-existing, you know, I will be loyal to you yes. type of thing. You know, and yeah, I, I always go, um, you know, if somebody does something illegal or something they, they really shouldn't be doing, surely that trumps the value of.
2: Terrible um, pun. Cause I'm and, thinking this applies mm. to Donald Trump. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was not intended, but okay. <laughs>
2: it was a great
0: one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, 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 and yeah, you think to yourself, but surely we should, uh, you know, a person cannot have a reasonable expectation of you've got my back because we were comrades in arms that you'll allow me to do something illegal, but- you know, or, or something that's against society. I mean, you know, you, they wouldn't, would, you know, I, I guess my line is, and I, I guess I'm a little bit more confrontational. So is, so if I'm your comrade and you go off and you walk down the passage at the studio and you put a knife in somebody because we're colleagues, Does my keeping quiet... Trump, uh, the scenario of you sticking a knife in somebody—absolutely not. I, Sorry, I, it's not going to happen.
2: I quite agree, but but we all know mm. that, that this is happening. In mm. fact, on the loyalty side, please understand that this is where uh, a lot of nepotism would happen, and and it would be put forward not, of course, under the banner of nepotism. It would be saying, "But for goodness' sake, you know, my family—I've got a loyalty," and 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 so when we're looking at at cultural groups as well, there. Their commitment to looking after their own would be, as I say, put under the banner of loyalty, and and at the other end of the of the right balance, uh, honesty is sometimes the the loser if you want, <laughs> and and it's a it's a real challenge.
0: It, it's scary that we talk of honesty as if it as if it has optionality. Hey? I know. It's very, I know. It's very very scary. Well. Cynthia, I think we've had a great conversation here about those ethical dilemmas. In the next part of the show, we're, we're going to be chatting to our friend who's going to tell us a little bit more about, uh, uh if I'm not mistaken, to Brian. Yes, yes. He's going to uh, tell us a little bit about the whole concept of being heard and the, and the, um, Yes. Uh, what do you call it? Tip off slides. Yes, yes, cetera. those
2: ethics reporting lines. The
0: ethics reporting lines. But, you know, for me, in my mind, Right is right and wrong is wrong. And the di- you should never be faced with the dilemma of having to almost choose one, one or a person over a value set when you know intrinsically that there's, there's a problem.
2: Yeah, but Richard, if you were not representative of everyone, we'd, mm. we'd not be in the space we're in. Mm.
0: Yeah, so I think that's pr- probably a, let's call it a, uh, ethical naivety from my side of saying that, 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 values should always trump relationships and, and often, you know, relationships of, uh, you know, relationships of, it's called it a convenience in the past, really shouldn't take away from your value yeah. set as an individual. Yeah.
2: But, but you know, another area of dilemmas that, that I think is very pertinent Is the classic area where ethics doesn't coincide with what's legal. Now we would typically think what's ethical is legal. Mm. But, but when that doesn't coincide, um, I think that that also presents a a very particular type of dilemma. Mm. Do you know earlier this month, the Paradise Papers were released as we know, you know, 13.4 million Mm. files. And, and what it's largely evidence of is tax Avoidance. Now, we, of course, know tax avoidance, let's be clear, is not illegal. Let's it is legal. legal. But when it's happening on that sort of scale and depriving countries of the tax incomes that they often desperately need, mm. I pose the question, is it ethical? Mm. And the answer is hell no. So I think that's an interesting dilemma that's playing out at the moment.
0: (laughs) There's a good example of a dilemma that one has to think of. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Very true. Cynthia, thank you very much for your time. We really do appreciate your insights. Next up is our business conversation. Stay with us. This is Cliffcentral.com.